Yes, all the time, God is good. It's good to see you this evening. Each one of you, both members of Israel alike, we are thankful to God for just for blessing us, right? Just, just for blessing us. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Bless us as we pause from our worldly activity to worship you. Just this amazing thought that we are able to worship you and that you respond to us. You respond to our worship, and we're so thankful, Lord God, that you've loved us so very much. Thank you for Jesus, your great son, who died on that cruel cross of Calvary. He was so willing to sacrifice himself that we might be saved. Help us to understand our indebtedness to you, and help us to forever feel indebted and to grow in love for you. Thank you for your great blessings, for your mercy, your care, and your love. It's in Jesus' holy, magnificent, most awesome, and precious name we do pray and thank thee. It be thy will. Amen. We're going to Acts chapter 9, still uh, carrying on the lesson about, uh, from you know, Saul to Paul, the apostle. And the transformation uh, of this man was astonishing, and it shows us the power of God. So sometimes we get wrapped up in looking into Saul, and that's, and that's all right, because he's the character we're speaking of. But really, what we should be gaining from this is the depth of God, right? Because it's God and his power that worked through Saul to transform him. And it's God who works in his power to transform us. When we ask God to help us, God is working in us. And sometimes what God does in working in us uh, and through us is he sends someone or, or some people to us to encourage us and strengthen us. And that's what God did for Saul. He sent Barnabas. And we'll get to that as well in just a moment. But I want to go to Acts chapter 9, uh, showing that immediately after Saul was converted, uh, he went out and began to preach. In verse 17, it says, And Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you might regain your sight. It's filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he regaining his sight and arose and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. This is what I want you to get. So several days he's with the disciples at Damascus. And verse 20, immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. Now here's a question just, just to ask. You say, okay, so he had this amazing experience, right? The fact that God blinded him, and then uh, Ananias comes along, and he regains his sight. And so you go, no wonder. Of course he would go out and immediately uh, proclaim the message of Jesus. But isn't it true that when God opened our eyes, wasn't that also an amazing transformation in our lives? Just the fact that you were blind, and now you see, coming up out of that watery grave of salvation, you come out and you go, Wow, and you believe what the Bible says, that God washes all your sins away and makes you new. And so you come out of that thing, that watery grave feeling new, right? Finally, thank you, God, I'm saved. And what an amazing, what an amazing feeling and what an amazing event in our own personal lives. In verse 21, and all those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, is this not he who was in Jerusalem? Destroy those who called on this name. And who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest. 
But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. And so those are pretty good sermons, right? That's a sermon in itself to see Saul uh, show up. We're going to Galatians uh, I, I, for just, no, actually I'm going to go to verse 29. To have Saul show up and, and listening to the debates that he had, showing where he was wrong and what he saw to be true. Verse 29. And um, he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. Why? Because they couldn't handle the message, right? The truth. They couldn't handle the truth. So you see, there's a big difference, right? On one hand, you got Saul who says, okay, I'm wrong, and now I'm going to right the wrong. And then you have the rest of the world that says, we want nothing to do with the wrong that you're writing. We believe what we believe, and we're not going to change. You've met people like that in your Bible studies, right? You study with folks, and some are just unwilling to change, even though they stare at the Scripture. They're staring it right in the face, but they refuse to change. What do you do about that? Keep preaching. Right? You just keep on going. Go to someone else. Verse 30. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. Now, I, I thought that was a great passage because here you have a man who is a persecutor of the church. And the brethren hear that he's about to be put to death. And he converted. And what did they do? They, they helped save his physical life. Right? I mean, that's called acceptance. Right? That, that's where we, you know, we, we, we love God. We love each other. And, and even though a person may have been wrong, when they, when they turn their lives around, you welcome them with open arms. And you do all that you can to help them in their progression with Christ. And then God shows us something. God tells us to go out, Matthew 28. He tells us to go out and to teach the world, right? He says to baptize them uh, or teach them and then baptize them and then teach them again, right? Matthew 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God tells us to do something that he himself does. So think about Saul. God taught Saul. Ananias baptized Saul. And then I want to go to Galatians chapter 1. And then God taught Saul again when he sent him off to Arabia, uh, which is an interesting part of Saul's life. Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 11. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so God taught him. God told Ananias to baptize him. And then in a moment, we'll come back to Galatians. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And then God taught him the rest or taught him some more for nine or for three uh, years. What, what an amazing event that was within itself, right? Acts 9 and verse 25. But his disciples took him by, the, by night and let him down and brought him through an opening in the wall and lowering him in a large basket. I'm just trying to join Galatians now and Acts 9 to show you where he is because he doesn't go to Jerusalem. When you read through Acts 9, you read about him going to Jerusalem, but it's some time before he goes 
to Jerusalem. He immediately begins preaching in this area that he's in, and he doesn't go to Jerusalem, not yet. Now we're going back to Galatians for uh, just a moment, chapter 1, and I want to show you his progression in his walk. Verse 15, But when he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. And so here's, here's this, this time where he's by himself. God is working with him, and God is taking care of him in his transformation. Listen to what he says in Acts 26. He's on his trial, and he's speaking about his life and rec- recounting it to um, the folks. And this is what he says in Acts 26 and verse 19. Consequently, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. And so he's talking about his life. So here he goes. He's, he, he doesn't go to Jerusalem yet, but he goes to Jerusalem second, right? That's, that's some time into uh, his ministry. He talks about his time uh, in Jerusalem, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He talks about some things and events that happened to him uh, in the work of God or interworking of God in Damascus. He says, in Damascus, the, uh, the, excuse me, the ethnarch under Arius, the king of, was guarding the city of Damascus, of the, the, excuse me, the Damascenes, in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and so escaped his hands. And so, my mind's going in three different places. So here we're going back to Acts 9, where the brethren got together and helped Saul, Paul, to be lowered. Remember, we can say Paul or Saul. We have his Jewish name, we have his, his Gentile or his uh, Roman name. And so Saul is let down in a basket, uh, and the church, you know, there, they received him. But at the same time, many members of the church are still skeptical of him. And, and who wouldn't be? So you have the, the understanding that, and, and we have to accept this. Um, I want to go to Acts 22. That sometimes when people, especially someone like Saul, converts to Christ, there, there's going to be this natural feeling for us of, of skepticism um, where you're wondering, did this person really surrender to God? But what we learn from from Saul is, leave that to God, right? Leave that part up to God. If a person comes to Christ, instead of uh, the challenge that we may sometimes bring into their lives, saying, you know, is he really converted? Is he really with Christ? Leave that part to God. Have you ever, um, let me just get, move on and not worry about that part. Acts 22 and verse, uh, verse 17. And it came about when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I love the, I love the reasoning of Saul. Look, listen to his reasoning. It's kind of like our reasoning. Verse, verse 19. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that 
in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in thee. And when the blood of thy witness Stephen was being shed, I, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the cloaks of those who were slaying him. And at his point, his point is, why wouldn't they listen to me? I, I was just with them just last week, last, you get it. I, I was just preaching the same message they were preaching, but now I've learned the truth. If, if they're going to listen to anybody, why wouldn't they listen to me? <laughs> and God wants them to know, you just don't understand. You just don't understand. Sometimes we get frustrated when we're thinking about people that we walk with all of our lives. And we think, you know, if anyone's, gonna, if anyone's going to listen, I'm sure this person is. And then they don't. And you don't understand it. You go, why wouldn't they listen? And, you know, Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor except within his own hometown. We get that, right? Because they're going, no, what, what, what makes you different now? Let me stand back and watch and see, right? And, then, and then, so God wants Paul to know that it's not going to be the way you think it is. So he goes on in verse 21. He said to me, go for... I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And so he begins this, this mission that now you're going to be a preacher to those uh, whom you once worked with in the persecution of the church. You're going to go to the Gentiles, the people that you once despised, <laughs> maybe as a Jew. You're going to go preach to the Gentiles. They'll accept you. The people that Jonah thought would never accept God, the Gentiles. You know, I'm not going to preach in Nineveh. They're never going to change. And the whole city changed, right? Acts chapter 9. We, we accept the place the Lord sends us to and the declaring of his word. Acts 9 in verse 28. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem. So now we're, we're three years into his ministry. Speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. And when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. And that's where he was. And I want you to think about what happened. So the brethren now, at this point, they understand Paul and God's work for him. And God is working behind the scenes with this man named Barnabas. Right? Paul has no idea about this situation that's going on. I just want to show you how God's working. He's working behind the scenes with this man named Barnabas because we've got to somehow get Paul uh, acquainted with the apostles, get him acquainted with my people. I've got to get Paul in with the brethren. And so there's this thing that happens. There's a, in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 4, there's a, a situation that happens where the church decides we're going to all share our own means. And in verse uh, 32, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each one as any has need. And Joseph, a Levite of a superior birth, who was also called Barnabas, 
by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That may seem like such just a verse that we read and we just kind of go through it. But that is a very meaningful verse because this is explaining to us who Barnabas is, that God is working on the heart of Barnabas behind the scenes to do a work for another man named Paul. And that's what God does, right? God establishes things in such a way to where it's benefiting more than we ever think it will benefit. God does things in, in a way that we don't really understand. And I believe to, th- to this day that God is still working the same way, right? He's still sending us into people's lives and sending people into our lives. Let's make sure that we're ready uh, for those who come into our lives, right? And then accept those whom God sends into our lives for either ourselves or uh, for others. Acts 9 in verse 23. So this is what Barnabas does. Acts 9 in verse 23. And when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and led him down uh, through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. So here we get a, here's a transformation in the verse. This is a, a different time, okay? He was trying to associate with the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. So, so there's a gap here between verses 25 and 26. It doesn't read that way, but there's a gap right there. God used Barnabas and prepped Barnabas all the way up to this point where Barnabas was a man who sought out the apostle Paul to bring him, introducing him to the saints. Galatians chapter 1. Who was Barnabas? A man that was well respected among the brethren. It was Barnabas who introduces Paul or Saul, whatever they call him at that point in time, to the apostles. Verse 18 of Galatians chapter 1. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In other words, he's saying, I didn't see the apostles, but I saw James, uh, the Lord's brother. It was Barnabas who introduced him. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 28, I'm repeating that. I just want you to see this and, and get this and understand when you're reading the book of Acts, there, sometimes there's, there are some gaps in between uh, the stories or the accounts that are being given to us. Verse 28. And it was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. God's word is spreading and spreading and spreading. So in chapter 10, there's the household of Cornelius, and they're converted. And now finally, finally, the work that God has set aside for Paul has come about. The Gentiles have now been accepted in Acts chapter 11 into the fold, right? They've now been accepted into the fold, and now they're, now they're Christians. And that's what God had Saul for, to be a, a, a preacher, a teacher to the Gentiles. 
But first, the Jews had to reject him. And that's exactly what they did. In Acts 11 and verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of the men of Cyprus and of Cyrene who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. This is very important. This is very important. Um, there are two actions in verse 21. Number one, they believed. But that's not it. They got to go the next step. So the second step, obviously believers become baptized and then they are serving the Lord because they're repenting and turning to God in the waters of baptism. So there's two actions. It's not just that they believed. That's fine. But you got to go the next step, right? And the next step is to get into Christ. Verse 22. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Barnabas. Why they send Barnabas off to Antioch? Well, because there's a work that's going to be done that God knows about, the church doesn't really know about. What's the big deal of sending Barnabas of all people, right? But here's what the big deal is. Barnabas being a very respected man, a very uh, faithful man, a son of encouragement, was sent by the church. Barnabas was a faithful Christian man. He was a strong encourager of the faith. Barnabas was a man that had a mind of his own. And I want, to, I want you to see what God is doing and did with Barnabas. So the church sends Barnabas because the Gentiles heard the gospel. That's why he was sent. So Barnabas is supposed to go to the Gentile congregations and encourage them and strengthen them and do the things that Barnabas does. But I want you to notice what Barnabas does. Verse 23. Then when he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus. Why? To look for Saul. You see, they, see the church had one thing in mind. Barnabas had something else in mind. I've got to find Saul. And he finds Saul, as you read through the rest of the text, and he brings Saul, let's read verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came about that for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So finally, when you have this conglomerate of all these people, nations joined together, finally you have the church, right, in its, in its full name, called Christians. Christ-like individuals. But Barnabas sought out Saul. That was his mission mind. And that was the mission of God. And that was the work of God. And then Barnabas, as you read the rest of the text, in Galatians you find that Barnabas introduced Saul to the apostles. Right? And then the work of God continues to grow and grow and grow. So who was the right man for the job of introducing Saul, the persecutor of the church, 
to believers? Barnabas. Could God have used another? He could have. But Barnabas was the right man for the job. He helped to diffuse uh, all of the animosity that was going on at that time uh, within the church that existed. When they saw Saul and then they saw Barnabas, it's like, you know what? I guess it's going to be all right. Tonight, I just wanted to introduce Saul into Paul's life. And you know what Paul does at this point? And we'll come to this next week, and then we'll close out, or rather the week after, we'll close out our idea of the Apostle Saul. They go out and change the whole world. Right? I mean, wow, right? What, what, an, amazing, what an amazing account. So when you read the book of Acts, and, and you realize there are these gaps of time, uh, but then you have the book of, uh, remember, Acts of the Apostles, and you start reading about what happened in Saul's life and the disciples' lives. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing, and the connections are so powerful that uh, it just goes to show you how, how God's work is amazing all over the world, and we don't even know what's happening, right? And God is good. So let's close out there. Thank you for your time tonight and allowing me to just give you some information about the man named Saul. Uh, tonight, if you would like to come to Christ in the waters of baptism, this is certainly a good opportunity for that. Uh, and if you would like prayers made on your behalf, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.